A lot of people talk about leading with purpose, but this guy, Jeff Hillmeyer, really means it. He talks about the companies he started, including 48 and 48, which wrapped up its run this weekend. He also talks about his favorite five REM songs. Why? It had some influence in his life, apparently. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here uh, with the Marketing Mad Men show, live from the battery. And uh, today we've got a, uh, a wonderful guest. We have Jeff Hillemeyer, who is CEO of the Purpose Group, and a good friend of uh, uh, Joanne Harold, who's uh, obviously a, an occasional guest and guest host with us here. And uh, wish Joanne was here with us today. But, Jeff, it's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be fun and, uh, you know, just uh, the idea of your new company, The Purpose Group. I have a feeling we're going to definitely dive into not only uh, marketing, but, um, you know, how you can do good things and, uh, you know, be more than maybe just uh, um, a way to help businesses out. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Nick, I know you had some thoughts. You and yep. Jeff kind of caught up a little bit before. And I did uh, some research, man. It was imperative for this episode that I did some research. So I was looking up well, Jeff Bio's website. <laughs> the first thing you know about, I just don't announce it so readily. Uh, and I found out that, you know, in the scope of business and all these important things, that he's an REM fan. And I realized that as the Yankee, I don't think I had as, as wide of a knowledge of REM as I should have. So I went in and I did some REM research. So we're gonna call this first segment, Let's Get to Know REM. And um, I'm, Flounder, get out in here, buddy, because Flounder just schooled me in like 30 seconds <laughs> about it. So you, you, let's, let's talk about, what, let's do our fake marketing premise right. to make this conversation more palatable. So, you know, look, REM was marketed a certain way to a Yankee. They had their main songs yeah. and that they made the radio. But for this show, I actually listened to about 30 REM songs over and over again to pick my three favorites that were not known. Um, I came up with Radio Free Europe, which is known, but yep. I liked it. Uh, Night Swimming and Fall on Me were the three that very folksy, different from overproduction, and they were awesome for me. So, um, Jeff, you go first. Flounder, you go. And then, Trip, if you know any that are in your thing, you drop out too. <laughs> hey, you got to remember, I was here during I, that's that That's why day, I said it, man. Right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like my job is done here on this already because I got a Yankee to listen to REM. There you so. go. Yeah. It's a win. Well, you picked out some good ones. Fall on Me is really a classic that uh, that not many people know about. I go even deeper. So, two, my two favorite are Begin the Begin. And I believe um, those songs just rock. And I, I discovered R.E.M. when I was like, I don't know, 14 and it was out of time, which was really their most popular. And I just started going backwards and every album was better and better and better. So begin the begin. And uh, I believe are my two favorite. Yeah. So how did so how, a lot of bands that happens, their first ones are better than the, the studios right. get their hands on it and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, how do they, when they go on tour now, how do they market themselves? Are they doing the old stuff or are they doing I, the pop hits? What do we know? I they don't, they don't tour anymore. Yeah, they're done. Yeah. And that, they're actually the one, kind of the one band that actually said when they did their final tour, they weren't going to tour anymore. So, and, and they Michael Stipe it. was pretty adamant about that. So, so how but, about you, Flounder? Uh, early I go, can't get there from here. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one. And then... I'm mean, gonna have to copy and go night swimming because it's just such a good song. 
so good. Easy breezy. So this will be a new, I think we have to do a new segment here, Trip. I'll also do uh, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Because that was the first one after their drummer left and they had to do a whole new album. And it was kind of. That was a good music video, too. Very good. That was good. one that had a heavy yeah. rotation on MTV back in the day. That that's where that, that's when he shaved yeah. his head and kind of. That's on whole rocks. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I go a little old school. So Sitting Still is my all time favorite. Nice. All right. And, Great. Uh, one. Oh, dri- man. Trip schooled me, too. He yeah. doesn't even have a list in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. Driver 8, I think, is a classic as yeah. well. And. Um, you know, I probably was going to go the What's Frequency, Kenneth, but I had forgotten about Begin the Begin. Mm, nice. So I think that goes back as well. So I, I'm definitely more old. So not that I didn't mind, obviously, the, the newer stuff. but Yeah. Orange so, Crush is yeah. also a great one. Orange yeah. Crush is yeah. terrific. All right. So how the hell are we going to beat this conversation in the rest of the <laughs> podcast? That was yeah. the most intriguing conversation we've had. Uh, I, I will say, you, you mentioned like tying it back to marketing. Yeah. I actually can do that. Love it. Because <laughs> yeah. my blog is named Begin the Begin, and so I've thought about this for, I don't know, a dozen years. Um, one of the things is we've worked with marketers is we talk to them about experimenting and that you need to test and try things in small amounts. And so Begin the Begin to me is a bit of a rallying cry. It's an entrepreneurial one. It's a marketing one. It's like you've got to start trying stuff. You've got to get out there. So that's why I think begin the begin, begin might work for Love you know, a marketing. And I think it's a great yeah. begin at the beginning, because like, people think about the end oh. always or the middle. No, no, just begin in the beginning. Try the try the right. thing. How are you going to start? And yeah. then you can pivot from there. But you have to start at the beginning. And so that's why it's so complicated. So let's do that, Jeff. Tell us a little bit about your beginning and how oh. you got here. Well done. You're such Good a pro. segue, <laughs> Trip. <laughs> Um, all right, so I grew up here in Atlanta. I ended up going to UNC Charlotte for college. I'm a tennis player, so I needed to play um, on a team. Couldn't get into tech on the tennis team, so I went to Charlotte. And uh, it was in college that I started my first business building websites with my college roommate. And so this was 1998. We started our company in the dorm room, moved back to Atlanta. Um, lots of stories to get us to 10 years later. We had 75 employees. We sold to private equity. I stayed with the private equity firm for five and a half years as president. We had 350 employees. We sold that to a big holding company. And that's when I jumped out and started Dragon Army, which I did for 10 years, um, and then recently started Purpose Group. And in between there, started some nonprofits and, and got involved in that world. So that's the quick story. That's a quick story. <laughs> well, let's say we, we didn't quite overlap. I was uh, about 10 years ahead of you then at Davidson on the oh. tennis team. So. My wife went to Davidson. Yeah, we played Davidson every year. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, we did a lot of things. uh, And and when you, I thought there might have been a chance when you said UNC Charlotte, which was. That's very cool. Nice. Now it's just Charlotte. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so let's let's look Dragon Army a little bit. So again, did some research. Huge, diverse listing of clients, okay? Some, you know, Home Depots and and some big names. You know, let's talk about just because that was more on the marketing side and the agency side. Talk about what the creative process Mm -hmm. was like, some of the clients and some of your fondest memories. Um, and then that'll be a good segue into how we've gotten now into the purpose space and a little bit more of that. Sure. So Dragon Army, when I started it, it, it was a, effectively my third agency, and I wanted to sort of go in a different direction. And we actually started it as a mobile game and app studio, building our own apps and games. Okay. Um, and in the process of doing that, uh, I had a few of my past clients reach out, Arby's being one, that said, hey, we'd like a mobile game. And so we built a mobile game for them. And then I learned it's really hard to make consumer games on the phone. Because yeah. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. nobody wants to pay anything for a mobile yeah. game. So you got to like slam a ton of ads in there to do anything with it. And that sort of craps up the game. So, so basically we pivoted to become a digital agency mostly focused on building product. So, But that gamification, yeah. it was, that that's was, what it, that was the hot word. That's exactly. where everyone wanted was that gamification. And I think it still goes on to an extent, and I well, think it's sticky. That's why people like it, right? It, yeah, it but it, it was, sticky. you know, gamification when done by marketers 
is just crap. I yeah, mean, it's just like, it. let's throw a leaderboard up and let's give people a badge that they don't care about. But what I learned through doing two or three years of gaming was there is actually a science to building successful games that hook people and get them attached. And so we use that philosophy at Dragon Army, no matter what we build, to sort of infuse it with that, again, gamification. We pl- we call it applied game theory. Um, okay, but it's a similar concept. I, I yeah. Call me intrigued. Give me some ideas yeah. of some of the principles that you would use that you learn from that space. Because, you know, for me personally, like, I hate games with ads yeah. i hate it i yeah. hate you get to, you get so excited it gets you to the point where you have to pay to do it and like right. i'm not a huge gamer but like i'm in space enough that i know the model and like i just wish i could pay twenty dollars i don't care what i would pay for the game if it's got me i'll pay for it yeah. but that model is gone it doesn't work that way now it's tricking you into spending all of your money on these little microtransactions and all that stuff that's right but what did you pull out of gaming to put into uh, the agency world yeah yeah so one of the things that we learned early on so we hired you know game developers when we first started dragon army I and mean, so they they speak a different language um, one of the things they impressed upon me was um, that when you can create a game where you succeed by someone else in being involved with you, that your level of commitment to that game increases, right? Well, my son, you know, created in high school, created friends, you know, from different parts of the country. Right. On many of these games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you ran the social aspect of it. That's right. Yeah. So if you so if you can create an, an online experience that is is in enhanced by someone else joining you in that process, you're going to be stickier. Another thing is um, sort of time stamping things. So basically like um, in games, you want to bring the people back and you, you know, you want them to play multiple times a day, for example. So there's ways to do that. Well, when we've worked with some retailers, so let's take Starbucks, we haven't worked with Starbucks, but as an example, Starbucks wants people to come in at those off hours. Well, if they can find ways to enhance that experience and bring them in, that's gamification. You're not yeah. giving them a badge for that, but you're you're training them. If you know if they sure. come three weeks in a row at two o'clock on a Tuesday, that might become a repetition that they start coming back. You know back who to. started that though, right? Who's, who's that? Kmart. Who is Kmart? it? Kmart. Wow, Kmart. Blue Light Specials. Blue Light Specials. Yeah, I mean, think, sure, I mean, truly, sure. think of that was so. You never yeah. know yeah. when they were going to happen. They were never between nine That's and five. five That's good. Yeah. But, and they did. They ran them. But that was 40 I, it, plus years ago. I think it's a fine line, too, because you also don't want to devalue your brand. So it's not always discounts. People revert to discounts. Yeah. And discounts get sure. messy, especially yeah. with someone like Starbucks. It's brand value and proposition. And if you all of a sudden go in expecting the discount, it lowers the overall. Yeah. Like I joke about Macy's. Have you ever bought anything full price in Macy's in your entire life? <laughs> like It just doesn't exist. It'll not, be on in, sale. not in the last 10 years. It'll be on sale. Right? In, in, yeah, two mo- in two weeks, yeah. it'll be on sale. Who, who is two paying weeks. So, but you know what Two I'm days. Sa- you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So I think I agree agree with that but i think that's yeah. where gamification comes in is totally what is agree. it because rewards programs are very yeah. different than discounting a rewards program right. with the right rewards there are some that are just worthless and you're throwing in the garbage but with yeah. the right rewards i think it helps that a lot yeah no doubt no yeah doubt. so what else what about some clients and some experiences yeah, that you, had so you really one, enjoyed? one you guys might be familiar with is so so dragon army is a different type of agency in that we build product for our clients so sure. whether that's an app or a website or some other experience tangible yeah. Uh, f- yes. Exactly. It's not say just a commercial hypothetical it's theory. Can... It's something. Okay. So, for instance, we built the original launch of BR Live. So you guys are probably yeah. familiar with that, right? The live streaming. So, yeah. So we worked with then Turner for years building that out. And what was really interesting with that was it started as a small idea 
you know, four years before at Turner. And they chose us because we were a company that can build small ideas into something. And it grew from, you know, we had two people on it. Right. So we had like 30 people working on this one project to get that massive launch to happen. And, and talk about that because that, that technology is huge nowadays. Like, for example, I know we have one of our biggest problems in dealing with the Braves is called Baseball Advanced Media. BAM is the mm -hmm. digital liaison for the, and BAM is owned by Disney. And that infrastructure is what went to build Hulu. That's how much this changes hands, wow. how complex it is to build. Because again, user interface, yeah. lags, there's so yeah. many things that can go wrong. And if you screw that up, no one's going to ever look at it. So what was that process like? And were you running the, were you running it at that time? Were you involved intricately? Yeah. So, so we were their team building that soup to nuts. So they had some leadership, but it was, you know, literally we wow. had our people over at Turner working every day. They, they were... And it, it, it was an interesting thing for us because for me, I'm a big culture guy. And so half my company was not in our office. They were in Turner's office. Right. And wow. so that was tough for me. But no, it was a great experience. And, and yes, we had, you know, the 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 conceptual designers, the graphic designers, the wow. developers, the testers. I mean, it was a massive team to stand that thing up. Well, yeah. and are they still using that technology? They're using most of it, yeah. Now cool. they they ended up when when Time Warner and all that happened, they wanted to bring it in house, which we knew that would happen they eventually. Merged. There's other yeah. technologies you have to create synergies. Yeah. Do you still get licensing? Do you still get money from them? No, using that? no, no. Oh, no, you no, signed no, a bad contract. No, yeah. What? Well, <laughs> what? Yeah. But I do want to when that. we come back from the break, I do want to um, dive in a little bit to that crossing the culture. All right, because uh, yeah. I think that's great. a great point. So uh, you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Joby, Nick Constantino here with uh, Jeff Hillemeyer, who's the CEO of Purpose Group. Um, we were talking about uh, Dragon Army, and one of the things you said was that uh, when you were doing a lot of work with Turner, was that you know half of your group was in their offices and culture is really big for you so you know I see that a lot obviously in the the marketing world so how do you bridge that culture of what you're trying to accomplish and what a really key core client is trying to accomplish yeah it's a great it's a great question so one of the things we we very early on decided is we're not going to do a staffing relationship which some agencies do you know like uh, a lot of the agencies that work with Delta on their mobile app they literally, just like I described with Turner, they have their team go there and they might go there for two years. And so that we've decided not to do that. If, if an opportunity and we have turned down opportunities where that's what they want, that's fine. It's just not for us. Um, you know, I think we, we carefully curate our uh, clients to make sure that they're uh, of a same 
you know, culture and value mindset. Um, and we have turned down clients. We have fired clients for that. Um, but the ones that we keep, that we share that, they just become deep, long-lasting relationships. Joanne Harold, who you guys have had on this, is a perfect example. You know, she's one of the best humans I know, much less marketing leaders. But I've worked with her in three different capacities in her roles at her different companies. And I'll keep going back to Joanne and begging her to let us work with her because she just believes in the same things that we believe. You know, she believes in taking care of people and doing things right. And um, she also does a great job collaborating the agencies together which can be yeah. really oh, bad for agencies when they're huge. competing, which yeah. is crazy. Why, why would you have them compete? So Because they work in their own interests and not the client's best That's interests. right. But if, so if the client doesn't bring them together, so we just try really hard to make sure that, you know, we're picking clients that are correct. And then it means so much to your team when, you know, if a client's abusive, and sometimes they are, you got to get rid of them. And yeah. you, get, you gain so much trust from your team when you're willing to do that kind of thing. And it's crazy because I've seen it much more over the past couple of months, years. I'm not going to name the client, but there was one that was just, it was such a fiasco. We knew it. And the way it ended was the agency ditched the client. And I'm talking yeah. Fortune 500 mega client with mega bucks with very little oversight and accountability from what I've seen. But yeah. um, it sounds like Dragon Army was a hell of a business. Uh, why'd you give it up? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't technically give it up. Um, I'm just not running it Why'd anymore? you give up day-to-day -day operational power? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, two things happened. Uh, when COVID hit and we were all... So Dragon Army gave up its office space July of 2020 and went fully remote. And so, you know, 30, 35 employees at the time. Um, and I, I started to really reflect on what I want, the impact that I wanted to have in my work. And at the same time, there's a woman named Jen Leahy who I'd worked with for a dozen years who just... She was president at the time. I knew she was the one who should be running the company. Um, she had that deep passion. She had built the trust with the team. Um, so had a lot of conversations with her. She was excited to take on that role. I was excited to support her in it. Um, and then I started to think about the impact that I wanted to have around building what I would call purpose-driven businesses. Um, so I'm a believer that business should be a force for good in the world. And that's what I've done with Dragon Army is tried hard to build a a playbook for that, a philosophy for that. I've written four books on the topic. So I, I sort of landed on this idea of creating Purpose Group, um, which is a holding company, and we could talk more about that. Yeah. But it, it, So in October of last year, I promoted Jen to be CEO, mm -hmm. and so far she's doing a fantastic job. So very, yeah. very happy with that decision. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people say purpose. They say that they have purpose. They say they want to be in purpose, but how they go about it and how it weaves itself into the day-to-day -day is very hard. Like, That's for right. example, we have most radio stations... All radio stations actually have a public charter to do good to the right. communities in which they serve. The internet doesn't have that, TV doesn't have it, radio has it. But how do you actually use that? Saying promoting the United Way or a big organization yeah. with some commercials is not really no. helping the way it is. So, um, you know, I think people want to show purpose. Before we get to that, because I do want to cover a lot of purpose, I also see you on the board of the Carter Center. Yes. Um, so my wife worked at the Carter Center. Um, I knew we, Lauren Gay was at my wedding. She was uh, President Carter's um, pretty much everything for a long time. I met President Carter twice. Talk a little bit about that. Talk about what it's like to be on a board like that. Mm -hmm. um, because I think, you know, you're not getting paid a million dollars to be on a board. I think there is still that level of service and purpose in that. Um, so I think talk a little bit about that because I think it's an important um, point to cover. Yeah. So I recommend to, to like when I speak to marketing classes at Georgia State, when I get in front of young people, I tell them, get involved in nonprofits, get on boards, you know, give your skills back. It's meaningful. It helps the world. And you learn a ton. Um, the Carter Center is unlike any board I've ever been on and probably will be on because the work that they're doing is so beyond my ability to help them at all. 
Like, you know, the meetings are like, okay, we're trying to eradicate guinea worm in these two villages and yeah. make sure there's fair, election, there's fair elections <laughs> right. in, in Malawi. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I know how to build a website. I don't know. You know, yeah. a lot of boards I can actually. So I think that one's very humbling because what it does for me is it allows me to see, wow, like as much as I might think I'm making an impact on some things. Eh, I'm not making near, you know, what I what I could be and should be. It's just a very great group of people. No, you don't get paid at all to be on yeah. most nonprofit boards, including the Carter Center. Um, but it's an opportunity to advocate for them and support President Carter. I mean, I'd argue who's had a better post-presidency impact on the world than President Carter. I mean, yeah. I don't know that anybody has. And he's, he, for, for those that haven't met yeah. him, I mean, he is a dude. I mean, he. There's nothing presidential. He, and then I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that in a very oh. good way. Like he teaches. I got to meet him, yeah, in person. And, so and, it's and just amazing. an unbelievable experience. And I think one of the big problems is people, nonprofits need that man. Yeah. Their websites are not good. Yes. They they don't take enough from the public sector. It's from the corporate sector. They don't take enough of that because one of the things I've always seen is like, look, if it's done the right way, you need the exposure. A lot of people, these these especially after COVID, have identity crisis. And mm -hmm. like, you know, the United Way is a great example. What do you do? Yeah. Well, they can't answer it. How do they think people are going to know? And why would people give you money if they don't understand? You you say you have purpose. What is that purpose? Mm -hmm. Why do you have that purpose? So I think websites yeah. and, and mass media do have their place if done the right way under the right guidance. Um, so I think that's really, 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 yeah. really powerful. You so know, one, one of the things I'll you know get your advice on this because I've, I've been on board at Kettering and I do want to talk to you about maybe speaking to our group at some point. But um, one of the things I've been challenged with over the years, you know, various nonprofits is um, not getting in on too many. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And I think I, I mean, I've had some overlap, but knowing that, yeah, it's going to be a six month overlap. But then I'll be back on just one, because what I find is the nonprofits especially have so little resources that mm -hmm. you really need to get. It's, it's different than a corporate board. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and you have to be very intentional about your time. Yeah. Too many boards, people just show up, you know, you stay there for an hour and a half, you hear what they have to say, you walk away, and you don't think about it again for three months. Um, yeah. I'll tell you guys a quick story. Um, two years ago, I was asked to be on the Woodruff Arts Board. Yep. And this mm -hmm. is like one of the most prestigious boards you can get asked to be on, right? And at first I was like... I, 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 a, I don't think I can make a big impact. There's, they have so many board members. And B, like I, my, my plate was full, right? But everybody that I knew was like, you you don't say no to Woodruff Arts. You say yes, you you know, you should do it. And I was like, and people that I like mentors of me. It's like, fine, all right. So I joined it. And after like three meetings, I was like, I, this is not a good use of my time or their time. Too big so, of a board, too many, too many cooks in the kitchen. Too just, much going I mean, on. it's a fantastically amazing group of people. But it's like any big nonprofit, they have lots and lots of people. And yeah. so... You know, and so I, I basically resigned from that board. And again, people were like, nobody resigns from this board. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, it doesn't make sense for me. Dude, this is like but an alert go off when you're trying to go to the high. No, well, is there like a big alarm that goes no, off when you try I mean, to walk in and check out some pay things that they don't let you in? They, I think they do wonderful things, but there are some nonprofits where the purpose of being on the board is to assist in fundraising. Mm -hmm. And that's my... That's right. And that's why they have incredible people on the board. Yeah. And I don't think they limit – oh, they do limit. But they have a much larger board because the real aim is to have that breadth yeah, for that's fundraising. Right. That's right. No, no, you're 100% right. Yeah. And look, they are one of the – I love them. And Hala Matomag is the CEO now. And I don't know that I could have dropped off. She, she wasn't CEO when I was dropping off. Doug Shipman yeah. was who I love. But I, ha I was able to say, Doug, I just need – anyway, so, yeah, I think to your point earlier, you just have to be intentional and make sure I think that you can make an impact – 
earlier in your career, sometimes it's nice just to network and build those relationships, but uh, it's so much better when you can actually make an impact. And I wasn't able to make a big sponsorship sort of impact from being on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the, the nonprofits and these boards have to be clear of what the intention is also. Like if you're just there to be a fundraiser, be that, that's fine. There's intention yeah. for it, but you, you should pay people to go out and make you money. I mean, I don't want to say it that way, but like if the only job is to be attached to a revenue source, yeah. you pay people to do that. That is a line that you could pay. If you want thought leadership yeah. and strategy, and, that's a different story. And I have mm-hmm. at times people, I said, look, I can't give you the time, but if you, if you want someone to come speak in an event or something, I'll do that. I give you one day, but I can't yeah. be ongoing while I'm, I'm, I'm going to be president next year of Kettering. So, I mean, I've already told some people, I said, once I get to the latter part of 2024, then mm-hmm. I'll open myself up. But I said, I, I can't do anything for the first eight months next year. Yeah. yeah. So right makes it makes yep. a ton of sense. So mm-hmm. Dragon Army, uh, we've, we've handed the reins of Dragon Army. So what's next? Yeah. So... Um Purpose group, uh, it, it, I would call it anti-private equity. Um, now I, I, sold- I love I love hearing that, by the way, because I can't tell you how bad private equity has destroyed everything we know in our world as a, mm. at a B2B company, home improvement companies, and you can do the Toys R Us story. I mean, it, it's it's on a rampage of destruction. Yeah, and ironically, I've sold one business to private equity, and I, I still love those guys. So it's not that oh, they're all bad, yeah. but the concept is... You know, you, you buy a company, three or four companies, and you have a time horizon that you have to sell them, usually five to seven years. And when you're forced into that, you just have to push a lot of things forward that maybe they're, you know, you have to make a lot of cuts. You have to force growth in there where, where it shouldn't be. And it just, it causes those companies to go through a lot of turmoil. So with Purpose Group, what we're doing is we're buying companies and holding them forever. So what we do is we buy them, we use the cash flow from those companies to buy the next, to buy the next. If, if you've studied Warren Buffett or Berkshire Hathaway at all, it's the same model. A few trillion smaller, yeah. but it's the same model. It's long-term private equity. That's right. Yes. There you go. It's long-term. Yeah, permanent equity is yeah. sometimes called. Um, and our sort of special sauce is the, the things that I talked about at Dragon Army um, and the things that I've written about in my books, we call it the purpose playbook. And so I take, so we bought our first company, awesome um, print apparel and science company in Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. We bought them in May, first company. 90 employees, been around for decades, nice and profitable, you know, good, strong culture, but there's no driving purpose that pulls them all together. There's six offices that all sort of work independently. And so we're going to put in the purpose playbook over nine to 12 months, take our time with it, bring everybody along. At the end of that, what should happen is we have 90 people who, A, believe that this company stands for something a little more than just the shareholders getting rich, right? gives them a reason to think I'm proud to be at this company, shows them how they can impact the success of the company personally, right? So at a company like that, there's a graphic designer. There's lots of them, right? How do you take a graphic designer who's two years into her career and show her that you're actually impacting this 90-person company, right? Um, So you align them on growth. You put in a profit-sharing plan, and the idea is, you know, those companies should grow. And so our, our hope is to continue to build this portfolio of, purpose-driven companies. And then ultimately, my hope is to have a ripple effect beyond that so that let's say we have 10 companies, the main thing we've changed is we've infused purpose into them. And now other small businesses around this country can go, wait a minute, I can actually take care of my employees, do more in the community and be more profitable and grow my company faster. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you take out a lot of the risk too, right? Because you're coming in, if you're the equity partner and you're coming in, then the risk isn't, there's not as much risk to change because these people, if you've been running a business for that long, that's what you're afraid of. You're afraid of change you're afraid of changing that's right so i have to imagine um how do you pick these companies are you the one that's going out do you have a team of analysts how do you find these people right now it's just two of us um and we work mostly through brokers brokers represent so when when in most cases a business of you know say say that 
10 million or plus in revenue they're going to find a broker to represent them and take them to market. And oh, so, so they are yeah. for sale in theory. They are These for companies sale, yeah. are ones that have yeah. acknowledged yeah. that either they want to hand, maybe they don't have a generational. A, That's a kid exactly to pass. what it is. So there are more yeah. businesses for sale now from the boomer generation than there ever have been, and many of them don't have succession plans. We met with yeah. a guy who runs um, a flag company, and he's like, "Yeah, I thought my son would want to take this over, but he went to Georgia Tech, and now he runs a tech startup." You don't want to run a flag company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So he, he, he was instilled with those skills from the entrepreneurial business ownership. Right. So he, the dad accomplished his job, yes. but you still think that you have the legacy that <laughs> right. you want to be handed down. So I yeah. can see that. What about um, do the owners leave? Do they buy out and they leave and you come in as that yeah. group? Yeah. So it can happen both ways. Um, the first one, the owner left um, and there was a GM that everyone else already reported to. So he, we promoted him status quo the next day so there wasn't a lot of change um i would love to have some where the owner stays for yeah. a while the challenge there in my opinion is we do have a playbook we want to put in place yeah so how do you take someone who for 40 years has built this company and go uh, well this is what i don't like about private equity they did this right. to me i sold my company for a decent amount of money and then they're like okay now here's all the ways we want you to change it i'm like but you just paid me a lot of money yeah. not to and they trick you into believing that you will have say or involvement yeah, like right. in, 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 the, in the industries we deal with they keep the owners aboard as marketing pawns mm, so they throw yeah. them on billboards to pretend that they still own the company yeah. and then what happens is they lose and seed and seed and seed more power until they just end up walking yeah so i mean you're right now but how do you build trust with these people because if i heard private equity even if you came on we're the anti-private equity i'm like yeah. yeah sure that's what they all say <laughs> yeah. um how do you build trust yeah. and is it is it that way of the credibility from the books and the speaking that helps you with that yes how do you build that trust yeah um so i'll give you an example so so i've been you know practicing what i preach for you know 15 years right and so i've written blog posts for 15 years i've got a podcast so we had one of the leaders we just went say up the name of the podcast share it with the folks because they can go over and listen begin the begin there you yeah, go there yeah. you go <laughs> listen to begin the begin favorite podcast providers there you go they uh so they they when we have talked to potential uh sellers um they have researched they found me they've kind of dug into the stuff that i talk about and so i think there's an immediate sort of belief that were for real and the employees did the same thing so when we bought the yeah. uh, gerald printing um in may and we went on the road show to meet the employees and tell them they had already looked up purpose group found what we talk about looked up me listened to some podcasts so they kind of get a sense of that but you guys know the the proof is in the pudding it's up to us now yeah. to live up to that so we've got we've got a long ways to go to build trust and it can be easy to lose it so it's an it's an ongoing yeah. process yeah. and you know obviously now that you've got a portfolio the principals can yeah. you can refer them to your other exactly holdings. and so obviously the entire company can't because it's private you know the secretive right. but um, you, at least you've got that you know where they can kind of vet out with your early holdings. yeah and I, it right. has to be hard right I have to imagine most companies in America you could probably fire 20% of the staff and it would because that's they've been there for so long it's the it's the it's just that those are the people so if you go and fire people, then you lose that trust because then you're exactly private equity. So how do you balance that? Do you let them stay? Do you go in? Do you do that? Because wouldn't that break trust right away if you were to go in and just cut 20% of the fat? It, it absolutely would. Yeah, it, that would be difficult. Um, we really want our companies to run autonomously as much as they can. So, you know, this example, we bought this company because it is profitable and doing well. Yeah, to your point, you probably could cut five or ten people, and but maybe the morale down for from doing that it's, would affect it, would rub off on everybody else. So yeah, it's not worth it, right? Well, then you're um, anti-private equity because the first thing they do is say we're not yeah. firing anybody, and they fire thirty yeah. percent of the staff because they created synergies. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You got it. That's a, yeah. that, that, and I think look, it, it's a great story, and just because you have so many other cool things, I want to move on from it. Sure. I want to talk a little bit about forty-eight and forty-eight, yeah. some of these other things, but but. It, 
congrats. Thank you. Because when you can make a business out of it, and I've heard lots yeah. of stories of these kind of groups happening about even bigger ones that really they're so involved and they use the principles of what they've learned, but they let the company keep their 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 stake, but they're more importantly, their influence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's where the world should be going. And I think that it is in the face of how business is done. So congrats for getting off the ground. Congrats for growing the portfolio. Appreciate it. Um, Let's talk about a hackathon. Yeah. Uh, because again, that's that principle. I know Google does it. It's one of the most famous things on earth, but that's one of those principles that I think doesn't funnel its way down to the nonprofit segment that should. Talk about 48 and 48. Yeah. This, so, this, so I'll tell you the quick story on 48. So I, it was 20, 2015, and I had had a bit, a few years earlier, I had had a bit of an awakening that um, I just needed to do more to give back, that I've, I've led a very privileged life and been very successful, but some of that was because I was privileged in different ways. And so I felt like I've got to give back and try to find a way to do that. And so um, I realized that my agency at the time, we had 350 people, um, that we would go in and work with the Atlanta you know, Community Foundation or we would you know, f- feed the homeless and, and, at a soup kitchen, but we weren't using our skills to do good. And when I had seen those rare moments when my team could use their skills to do good, it was like magic, right? So I, I ended up on this idea that what if I could get a group of five or six people together that could build a nonprofit website in a short period of time? And I started with like two months. I'm like, all right, well, that would be cool. I could get short, you know. And then I started taking the number of hours it would take, and I went to a tech hackathon at Georgia Tech around that time, and I'm like, and which are typically a weekend, right? And I'm like, that would be pretty cool if I could get six people, let's call it, to build a website for a nonprofit in a weekend. It'd be intense. It would be exciting. But sometimes that's where the best creative uh, comes out. So you're so tired that you're only using the creative part of your brain, (laughs) right? right? right, You're so exhausted that all of a sudden everything else shuts off and it's just that creative part of the brain that's firing. Yep, exactly. And so then I got, then I was like, well, if six could build one website, 12 could build two because they're running sort of independently. And I did that math until it seemed insane. By the way, anyone I told in my own industry, six people can build a website in a weekend. They're like, that's insane. You can't do that. Anyways, I doubled it until I got to 48, and I'm like, I'm a marketer, so I thought 48 websites in 48 hours, now that would be something worth trying. So I put the word out, and um, October of 2015, um, when Pond City Market was a new place, we, we had a big space there, and we brought together almost 300 people. They showed up on a Friday afternoon. By Sunday afternoon, we had built 48 websites, and I didn't. I got there... Friday morning. I didn't go home till Sunday, like 2 a.m. Um, like I spent the night there every night. And um, the most amazing thing happened. So I just did this. I thought this is really interesting. And um, there were lots of nonprofits that didn't make it, right? We probably had 150 yeah. that applied. Only 48 could make it in. So that Sunday afternoon as we're getting ready to sort of do the closing ceremonies, um, uh, one of the developers walked up and he was just completely exhausted and, you know, wiping his eyes. And he goes, hey, Jeff, um, before I forget, can I put my name on the list for next year? And I was like thinking to myself, next year, I just thought this was a one-time thing, right? Mm. So I'm a good entrepreneur, so I, oh, sure. So I got a piece of paper, name, you know, whatever, 2016 event. He he put his name there. And so I went around for about a half hour checking on the teams, making sure we were all done. And I came back, and there were like 50 names on the list. And that's when it occurred to me, what I had created was not, I mean, yes, the end result were websites for nonprofits, small nonprofits that desperately you gamified needed. It, man. Yeah. You gamified the nonprofit well, web design. What we really did was we gave people a chance to use their superpower to do good. Yeah. So these people hadn't been given that chance. And it lives in perpetuity because they'll and see that website for the rest of their life. It's not a they quick thing that proud. they... Yeah, exactly. So you said something earlier, and I and I, honestly, I do struggle with this with my kids or young adults and some of my good friends' kids or young adults, late teens. And you said 
you know, hey, you're privileged, I'm privileged, but how can I do something good about that? Because some of the things I think we get struggled with in our generation from the younger generation is the term privilege sometimes almost becomes a shame. That's right. That's right. And so I really want to hear, we got two minutes for the break. Sure. I'd love to hear your view because you, to me, are handling that so well. Oh, I appreciate that. And I, and I struggled with it when I first, I I went through a program called Leadership Atlanta um, in 2013. And that's where I really started to understand my privilege, right? Uh, White, straight, Christian, male, you know, no disabilities. You know, I just have every advantage. I've never walked into a room where I wasn't accepted. Um, and yes, a way to take that is go, oh, I feel so guilty about that. I decided to use that as empowering me and saying, you know what? I do have advantages. And, and yes, I worked hard. I worked really hard to build my companies. I mean, I racked up 100000 in credit card debt by the time I was 22 building my first company. So it was hard in my mom's basement, right? Yeah. But I can use that, you know, accelerator that I have for no good reason to, to do more good. And so that's what I've leaned into. Yeah, I think you're right. It's very easy. P- people can get very on edge when you say that they're privileged and they say, well, I work hard for everything. And it's like, it's not that you don't work hard, but other people have to work a little harder sometimes. And that's not your fault. Yeah. Right. Let, but let's lean into that and yeah. let's try to do There are also pr- plenty of privileged people that don't work hard 100%. at all. There's also the other side of that spectrum. And I think that those people also give a bad name to it because they're, they're as common as the ones that work hard. It's yeah, that for just sure. We're given yeah. that and they don't do anything with it. And doing it means go work a, a, a job. Go bring some value to the people around yeah. you. So it's a, it's a hard line it's to walk, man. what you do with it. I mean, it's we a can, hard line we can to go walk. through a lot of principles, but ultimately, whether you're placed here, whether you work here, whether whatever – then what do you do with it? That's and right. That's what yeah. I'm seeing and hearing. Yeah, that's right. The and, purpose group. And part of what I think my mission is is just a little bit to to open a few other people's eyes that they maybe have privilege as well. Yeah. Um, and what yeah. what can they do with that? You know. Yeah. And what superpowers can they create? Exactly. Or utilize. And uh, how does it make them feel? And are they willing to sign back up? You know, in the future. That's to right. Be able to do that. So yeah, well said. Um, very fascinating. We're going to come back uh, and we'll dive in a little bit more uh, with Jeff Hillemeyer. And you're listening to The Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with Jeff Hillemeyer from uh, the Purpose Group. And, you know, we're, we've been talking about 48 and 48. Um, and, you know, I think there's... Uh, we hear all the things that you're doing, the great things, but, um, you know, what, I guess, 
How did it start? What's you know maybe yeah? What was the, the what was the bounty, man? What makes those people camp out at Pond City Market? I mean, there better <laughs> yeah. be a pot of gold at the end of this. What's going on? I'm telling you guys, when we first put the word out, I thought we'd have 20 people sign up, and I thought 18 of them would have been my employees. Like, and people just started signing up and signing up. So I I honestly can't tell you. The only thing I can think is that. You know, our messaging was use your superpower, use your skills to do good. And just so few people are given that opportunity, which is just crazy, right? Like what a great world it would be if people were able to use their gifts and their, you know, their superpower to do good. So honestly, it was just that. Um, and so after that first weekend, when people were like, hey, I want to come next year, I said, OK. And again, I'm a good entrepreneur. I've been one since, you know, college. So I was like, all right. I can do it again in Atlanta. I felt pretty confident, but let me do it in New York. I, I knew zero people in New York. I'm like, all right, I've got a year to pull off an event in New York and see if this is bigger than just Jeff's friends in Atlanta. So we did it. So then in 2016, we had New York and Atlanta. All right. So what then, was different about New York? I have to imagine it's my oh, personal you'll love this. They don't like working yeah. for free as much, but they're more competitive. So that's 100%. Not, not the free part. They signed up just like, cool. just like Atlanta. Yeah. But they were competitive. So here's a here's a perfect funny example. Um, in Atlanta, you have teams working on websites, right? Well, if one team needs a little graphic help, they'll ask the team next to them. And, oh, sure, no problem. And we do like a first, second, and third. Like we vote. We have like Joanne's been a Joanne's on yeah. the board of forty eight and forty eight. Yeah. We have votes, and so there's a little competitive. But like in Atlanta, it's like everyone just cheers for whoever got first, yeah, second, right. and third. In New York, nobody would help anyone else. Oh, it's like the boroughs. It was it's so, like the boroughs, oh, man. Yeah. They're separate. It was oh, so yeah. shocking. <laughs> I was like, look, somebody came in there. We're like, yeah, we're not going to finish this part of it because the other team that had twice as many people and were done hours before, they're like, we're not helping them. We, we want to win. <laughs> but but I'll just tell you, uh, I should I should tell all my friends in Atlanta to have earmuffs. The quality was higher that first year in New York yeah. <laughs> because they were competitive. But that competitive nature, and most of that is because there's so many people there that if you don't do your job right, someone's coming up on your heels to kick you out. And exactly. that is a... It is just, and, and there's a little bit more of a, per personally, there's a little bit more of a hustler's mentality. Like, you just figure it out. There's yeah, not a, I have right. to ask. It's just, that's right. you just figure it out. And if you can't, screw you, I'm gonna. And that is pervasive. That's also how it's been an older, more prominent city. It's because of those yeah, things. That's right. So, so, second year, 2016, we did two. Um, we've since done multiple events in London. We've done Boston. We, we've done, done them all over the country. Um, COVID hit. Now we do the, then for like two years, we did them all virtual, which opened up the world, which was yeah. this amazing moment. So now when we have events, so our next event is in October, we'll have two to 300 people in person at Cox headquarters here in Atlanta. Um, they're one of our great partners. And then we'll have like 200 people literally around the world. So Friday, you know, it used to be Friday afternoon kickoff. We have to do a Friday morning kickoff for people in Asia. Time zones, yeah. Wow. And so here we are um, in 2023, we've built over 1,300 websites since we started, which is over $30 million wow. of donated services. And, and it I, just built because people were passionate about giving back And I time. assume you've got all different um, functional expertise. So it's not just developers. 100%. Right? Oh, so exactly. you got creatives and yep. project content. managers, storytellers. SEO, SEO, marketing. I mean, content testing. creators, crazy. And then, and then, of course, people working the event because when you get right. hundreds of people together, you got to have meals, you got to have giveaway. You just all do all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, no, it's a gigantic volunteer. And my, one of my most exciting things is for the first time, I'm not board chair even anymore. I'm just yeah. on the board. Um, and so it allows me to let other people step up and lead. So just a great story of if you can figure out how to connect people to a to a purpose, 
amazing things can happen that yeah. you maybe never dreamed. And, and again, I think a website, because it lasts forever and because the results are so obvious and tangible, makes it that much more impactful. Like what happens if you did it and you need more motivation? Well, just go log on to the website and you see mm -hmm. it and you see what it grows and it That's almost right. spawns a bigger web, which is, well, worldwide web, I guess, but it yeah. spawns a bigger web, which is which is very powerful. Yeah, that ripple effect. And one last thing I'll say is what's, what's happened that we didn't see was now there's companies that do their own 48 and 48 event. So State Farm just had, they have four offices around the country, yeah, one here in yeah. Atlanta. They had their own event where it was hundreds of their employees. We just sort of provided the infrastructure and it was their own event. So like oh, corporations are now just embracing it. Right so yeah. it's very Cause exciting. Because you're talking about all size of teams. State Farm's a mega team, but yep. even if you have a couple hundred employees, you still got 15, 16 engineers. That's you right. put them to the ringer, yeah. throw a little bounty on who does the best job. And, and here's what happens. Now you've got employees that, are excited about their work. You've got people who don't normally work together bonding. Like it's great for the corporation as well. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest fears about business these days is I feel like they're sucking a little bit of the competition out of it. And mm -hmm. I think that competition is fantastic. So um, we got four minutes left. So Ripples Media, let's cover the last one. Yeah. So book publishing. We've had a lot of authors. Um, you know, my biggest questions are how you're differing and doing it differently. Yep. And how do you know if someone really writes the book or kind of just wants to write a book. <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, so I started Ripples because I wrote my first book and was ready to find a publisher and the process was terrible. Um, I got in front of all the major publishers and you want to know what the number one reason they turned me down was? I'm in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Atlanta, the New Yorkers, sorry. Yeah, but that's changed. Though. They You're were right, like, they want books from Atlanta now. This, but was, this was 2019. Wow. They literally said you're in too small of a market we're not interested. They, they, they said we love the concept because I wrote it, it was a book about being an entrepreneur earlier. Anyway, so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to create my own publishing company and just do my own books. Yeah. And after like the third of my books, Joanne, for instance, who I've been friends with, so she's like, I want to write a book. Yeah. I'm like, I'd love to publish it. So now we've got about a dozen authors so far. Um, it's, a, it's a growing business. What's different about us is we take a very entrepreneurial approach. We let all the control stay with the author. Um, they, get, you know, they get title control. You know, a lot of publishers will take the title, the cover. We give all that to them. They keep the rights. Um, and we try to do it in a way where we bring the community of our authors together. So my thought is every author that we publish, Joanne's excited to promote them on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and, and give them advice. And yeah. so, and again, it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. Out. Right. Yeah. Instead of a competitive, you know, mess. So trip, are, we so writing, are we writing a marketing is, Mad Men book trip? Uh, are we I, don't writing know, a know, I don't know if we were asked up. to, but should we, uh, should we do it? I take yeah. these interviews and yeah. do it. Uh, many, Let's many do times. It. Yeah. So AI, uh, I'll transcribe the whole thing now. We just well, pick which part we want. That's probably been my challenge is just putting, uh, Putting it all into paper, yeah. so, so to speak. My right challenge is I write in very broken English. So luckily, yeah. my wife's an editor, been published all over the Lancet and Health Journal. She could she could fix that stuff for there us. There you go. Yeah. Even though but. English isn't our first language, God bless her for being able to get published in all those journals. And Spanish is our first language. Wow. Shows how smart she is yeah. versus my dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the name of the book. Yeah, Mark any mad, mad men, my dumbass. Hey, you know what? I remember what Perkins said about how not to suck at marketing. How yeah. his mom almost beat him yeah. up for doing it, but it caught on immediately. Yeah, something about it, man. No, There's something about that title. I think we yeah. got a lot of a lot of fun stories there. So, um, no, I think that's neat. I think you know you mentioned Joanne. I mean, she's a connector. So mm -hmm. I mean, that's mm -hmm. totally what she yeah what she does. So I think uh, this idea of of bringing people together to you know help unlock you know, ideas, unlock superpowers, et cetera. I mean, that seems like, uh, you know, Jeff, what uh, what you're really about in in uh, in your core as well. So it's really neat. Yeah, I appreciate that. Exactly. The, the fact that I was able to help Joanne tell her story through a book, um, that's just, 
so meaningful to yeah. me. So, and she yeah. speaks yeah. very highly of you. So you've you've helped her through oh, her thanks. career, which will she helps other people, and she's a, a woman of purpose and a business yeah. businesswoman of purpose. So yeah. it does. It just catches yeah. on and it just spreads outward, and it's, well, it's really it, really empowering to see. And I'm excited. Hopefully, you know the uh, you know 17 or more listeners, uh, and Nick's got all the data, but uh, <laughs> um, no, we'll uh, get your story out as well. So I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for giving me the fantastic. chance. Yeah. yeah. And uh, definitely, I, w- I want to catch up, too. I think there's some opportunities. Uh, I'd love to learn more about the uh, 48 and 48 and uh, some ways that, um, you know, maybe we can uh, expose you to some other, uh, you know, groups and uh, executives in uh, the Atlanta community, too. So that would be, be fantastic to uh, share the story of Purpose Group. So uh, any final comments from you, Nick? No, this was awesome. I think that we covered a lot quickly. I think there's probably a lot more to the story. Um, and go listen to some Marianne, baby. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, you know, we'll have to start doing this a little more often. We'll find out uh, some other, uh, you know, uh, favorite groups uh, from our upcoming uh, guests. So you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be back next week. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.